2: Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
3: The Season with Peter Schrager is a production of the NFL in partnership with iHeartRadio. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of The Season with Peter Schrager, I love the music. Love the music, love the love the podcast, love the feedback we're getting. Got incredible feedback from specifically a lot of Bears fans based on last week's Ryan Poles interview. I think the Bears are a fascinating study in the NFL and that there's a team that right now if the draft was happening today, I think they'd have the second overall pick. Yet I don't know if there's a fan base more uh, enthused and more optimistic and more into their team right now. And that's the whole point of the season with uh, Peter Schrager. I love calling myself the third person. It's like... Let's get to know some of the decision makers. Let's get to know some of the coaches, and let's kind of get uh, beneath the surface than just hot takes and and what you see on TV every day. I'm joined by my uh, wonderful producer, Aaron Wong Kaufman. Aaron, what's up, buddy?
4: Not too much. It's uh, pretty cold here in New York. We're uh, we're not quite six feet of snow in Buffalo, but uh, it's getting it's winter.
3: No, it's cold as. Dude, I stepped outside the apartment today we're both in Brooklyn it is it is cold it is real like this is smacked us in the face and it's one of those deals that like we had really good weather in October and really good weather in early November and then it's Thanksgiving week I ask you it snuck up on me um I'll possession it this way I think anyone who watches Good Morning Football knows I've got some thoughts on Thanksgiving one of my thoughts is that we should not be tied to turkey and mashed potatoes and gravy in the traditional fare. I don't like that food. I find it dry. I've never had a good piece of turkey. I don't understand. So in recent years, my wife, uh, the lovely Erica, she has either uh, you know, helped prepare steak or we've done some we we get we go to like a local place that we like and we bring it in. We have nice, you know, takeout whatever it is but I catch a lot of heat on good morning football from my co-hosts who are like, that's absurd. You're just being, you're just being that guy, that contrarian, Aaron, I turn to you. You're of a different generation. You're younger than me. Yeah. Thanksgiving food. Where are we at with it?
4: I mean, growing up, my, my dad is a very meat and potatoes kind of guy and he wants gravy and you know, like that's, that's part of the Thanksgiving meal. Um, what lately, what my partner and I do, I'm I'm half Chinese. And so, we do like Chinese food. We, really? we basically just make Chinese because it's like, we just want to make the things we want to eat. And it's just a day to like, we get to spend it cooking and we get to make a whole bunch of stuff. And it's, you know, more about what are these meals that we want to do just like to hang out together, I think. Yes. But then there's also stuff like i'm gonna i want i love pecan pie i, I you know i love yeah uh, making stuffing like so there will be things like that too and so you like, cook
3: i i have yeah, never yeah. been I've, I've never been near a stove i, I mean i literally my son is like Dad, can i get mac and cheese and i'm reading the instructions off the back of the box How to microwave it so you guys you'll cook she'll get it going you'll get it going you make your own separate dishes whatever
4: yeah yeah and we have um a slightly larger kitchen than we used to, but in the past it was it was definitely oh, the on, dance up. of two people two people moving throughout a small Brooklyn yeah. kitchen trying to find you know the space yeah. to cook together. Um, but yeah, yeah, no, it's a it's a fun no, thing. It's and... like
3: it's like the ballet. You've got the yes, Alvin yes. Ailey thing going on in there. <laughs> yeah, like you're in my a. way. <laughs> you open up the the grill and uh, suddenly you bang into somebody. Um, I'm all for Thanksgiving. And they added this night game now. And it's like they've always had the two games when I was growing up. This night game, it's a marathon. Um, are you prepared? I know we had my buddy Dietro on last week saying you got to prepare for this week. It's a, it's an intense sports week, but I think it's an intense food and football viewing day, Thanksgiving. Are you prepared?
4: Yeah. So we have, I mean, this is a little too inside baseball, but I mean, the Bills, my team are playing yeah. the early game. We're watching that. And then we're going to a Friendsgiving. And so no. And Friendsgiving. I don't know that yeah. term. What's a Friendsgiving? Oh, Friendsgiving. It's like People's instead of if you, you're not in a place with your family, you spend it with yeah. a group of friends. Um, I also know I am the only one in the group that watches football. So I will kind of be off okay. to this. What, uh, what are they watching? Just... They're just hanging out. They're just, just hanging, chatting. Yeah. Just hanging. Yeah. 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 So um, yeah, so I, just I will figure be... every
3: person under thirty is just is just scanning TikTok and playing Wordle all day. Is that <laughs> is that a bad
4: characterization? Um, uh, I hope you're not playing Wordle all day because there's only <laughs> one Wordle a day. I've so if you're, it. It all, if you're playing it all day, it's taking you too long. <laughs> That's it. Um, all right, you want to talk a little ball? Let's talk. Yeah, a let's ball. do it. Let's
3: go four downs.
4: All right, first down. Zach Wilson. What do you make you know, we had Salah on. What do you make of this whole Zach Wilson situation?
3: Oh boy. Uh so we're recording this on a Tuesday. I don't I don't know if I've seen a coach uh have a more definitive non-statement than Robert Sala did Monday when he said he's still evaluating who's going to be the quarterback. And I think it goes back to not only the performance Sunday, I really think Zach Wilson screwed the pooch with that press conference afterwards. And I think that goes from to the equipment guys, you know, looking at them saying, really, dude? To the players, obviously, right up to, like, the ownership where they're saying, wait a second, wait a second, wait a second that's a team that we haven't beaten in years and has owned us, and you're going to say you can't take any account for it. Let's listen uh, to what Zach Wilson said when reporters asked him if he put the burden on himself.
0: As an offense, though, I mean, when you guys are only able to score three points, the defense only lets up three points. I mean, do you, do you feel like you
3: let the defense down at all? No. no. So now what? Well, I'm going to just go through the machinations of all this. You've got this young quarterback, and here's what's happening. The Jets are a lot better than they expected to be. I could tell you this from conversations with not only Salah, but with the front office and the ownership. I don't think they ever expected to be six and four going into Thanksgiving week. Their expectations have exceeded uh, even their wildest dreams. So that's from internally. But with that, now suddenly, everybody needs to pull their weight. This defense is incredible. This front four is marvelous. Mosley is playing like an all-pro linebacker. Sauce Gardner might be the best corner in football this year. I mean, this is not me being exagger- exaggerating or hyperbole. That's how good the Jets' defense is. Also, their offensive line is playing well. Their wide receivers are playing well. When you see both Elijah Moore and Garrett Wilson talking a little bit after the game or on social media, this is where my, you know, my eyebrows get raised. And for Wilson to come across as tone deaf, for Wilson to be the the weak link right now, even this week of Salah having to debate whether he's the guy or not and doing that publicly, I would like to think that would either A, light a fire, or B, bring something out of Zach Wilson that we have not seen at this point. I, I would say he's, if not the worst um He's the most disappointing quarterback that we have on the field this season. That includes Russell Wilson, Derek Carr, all the guys that we know. I I thought at the very least we would see some sort of jump. So what now? I I think the Jets have a few days as we record this on Tuesday. I don't think they're going to announce anything on Tuesday or Wednesday. That gives them no strategic advantage. I wouldn't be shocked if he was benched. I wouldn't be shocked if he was benched even for just one week or whatever. I, it, that performance and it wasn't just the punt return and i know you know brent boyer the special teams coach is going to wear that and of course sala is going to wear that what are we doing and you know new york fans remember matt dodge kicking it to deshaun jackson in i think 2010 and he returns it and everyone you know matt dodge i don't think ever punted it again in the nfl after that it, i don't blame the jets special teams they've been good all season the third and one pass that wilson had and he had a wide open man over the middle and that's fine but to throw a check down behind the sticks on third and one in that situation in the fourth quarter in a 3-3 game, that to me shows a lack of, of awareness, a lack of courage, a lot of stuff. Just And then after the game, uh, the blasé response, I think, really rubbed people wrong. Uh, New York's a different media market. You might be able to get away with that stuff in some of these other markets. Not New York. It's been the story all day, all week. And my point about the team being better than they expected to be. At some point, the defense says, "What the hell? Like we're playing our butts off." And I've seen it. The Giants used to have this when Strahan's defense would be so good, and you know the Giants' offense would be anemic. And you'd hear about these like rifts in the locker room, and and then eventually the offense, you know, came alive, and this team can flourish. Like that's just one example. There's so many others. But gosh, what what a conundrum for them, for a team that I don't think expected to be going anywhere. They're in Thanksgiving week. They're now in last place in the AFC East, when if they had won, they'd be in first place in AFC East, and they're at this true crossroads, and they might be benching the number two overall pick. And if they do bench him, I don't think it's the worst thing to happen for either the Jets or Zach Wilson. I, I would also say I don't think it's the last of them if he does get replaced this week.
4: All right, second down, last night on Monday Night Football, 49ers blew out the Cardinals in Mexico City. Is this the 49ers finally finding their groove? Is this just the Cardinals being a bad team? You know, which trajectory are we paying attention to here?
3: Yeah, I think the rest of the league took notice that, oh, no, no, no. This is not what we wanted the 49ers to get hot again uh, around Thanksgiving and go on their run. This is what they do historically under Kyle Shanahan. They start slow out of the gate then they start cobbling things together and then they hit their stride in November, December. Uh, I remember a couple of years back, they started off hot. They were like, hey, you know, they lost to the Seahawks on a Monday night game in overtime. Then they had this like stretch where they had to go to Baltimore in the pouring rain and then go to New Orleans. And I think they lost the Baltimore game, but like played tough. And then they went to New Orleans and Jimmy G uh on national TV like lit up the Saints defense. And he was throwing them all over the yard to everyone. And Mostert was scoring touchdowns and Emmanuel Sanders was scoring touchdowns. And it was like, okay, this is the team. And that team obviously went on to play in a Super Bowl. Last year, same kind of thing happened late in the season. They start rattling off wins. They get to the playoffs and they establish themselves as this tough, hard-nosed team. This year's identity has taken a few weeks to figure itself out. But last night, I don't care if that's the 78 Steelers on the other side of the ball. You've got it as tough as nails you've got Ayuk who's throwing blocks but also making plays you've got debo everywhere all over the field you've got use all over the field and then you've got the two running backs in a and all of a sudden a resurgent elijah mitchell i think everyone dropped them from their fantasy team we're like all right McCaffrey's the guy and no 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 if you know kyle shanahan you know you never drop those running backs because he's going to use all of them and then of course McCaffrey. and then the biggest story to me was jimmy g jimmy g was dialed in Four touchdowns looked good no the Cardinals defense uh is not going to be mistaken for the 2000 Ravens anytime soon but the Cardinals defense has won some games they played well last week they they've played fine I, I mean I, they're not some total pushover and to see runs on eight nine yards a clip that offensive line is no joke Trent Williams is no joke and in a wide open NFC and I'm talking like Packers lose again Rams lose again Vikings after a week of all of us saying the Vikings don't get enough respect get the doors blown off at home uh you go right down the list are, are the Eagles anything you're scared of right now are the are the Cowboys the team that we saw this week or the one that gave them a fourteen point lead and uh, you go right down the list of everybody is there any team you you' you'd rather face less than, 49ers right now and here Aaron is the interesting thing because I got tweeted uh this and I would love the listeners and I want your thoughts on this too um Jimmy G is the quarterback and they're doing exactly what Jimmy G does he's gonna he's gonna make his plays but he's you know not gonna you're not he's not using his legs and it's all right now you got McCaffrey if you had given Trey Lance 10 weeks like they have right now to kind of get in the groove and get his thing going. If you've given Trey Lance, Christian McCaffrey, if you've given Trey Lance, is this offense even more dynamic or are they better off that? Hey, it all worked out right. Jimmy G's the quarterback. They're six and four going into Thanksgiving. What's your thoughts on that? Cause I personally, I'm like, I don't know. I just think Trey Lance need to get through September and October, and then it would be like, all right, he's got his confidence. We would know one way or the other, and then you could always bench him for Jimmy G. But Trey Lance could run, and they were they were running him, and he was running the wheels off of him in the first couple uh, drives there against the Bears, and like then the injury happens, and you're like, ah. Oh, but I, I don't know what this offense would have looked like if Trey Lance was there. It might have been even scarier.
4: Yeah, I mean, I wish – I don't remember the exact number, but there's – whatever the stat of how many – passes he's made in his career trey lance because he didn't even play a ton in college no. he's he's got like some of the least experience out of any of the starting quarterbacks in quotes like depending on whether or not we think he's a starter um but after watching the bears and seeing justin fields elevate the entire offense just purely off his running ability and like a couple and the excitement I mean, yeah yeah and how like you were saying like that you know, that fan base is energized by Justin Fields, even if they're losing, it'd be pretty amazing. And like, yeah, if if uh, any passer has the safety valve of CMC and then also can go over the top to Kittle or Ayuk or Debo, I mean, the fact that like, when you were listing off their offensive weapons, you didn't even mention CMC by name. I know. That's how stacked the they are. Guy. Yeah. It, it's it,
3: and here's the thing: we're going to be in the same position this offseason. Now, Jimmy G's not under contract; he's going to be a free agent. But it's like all those guys are coming back from where I don't have the contracts in front of me. But McCaffrey, I know, is there for at least another year. I know Debo just signed his extension. I think Kittle's there under under contract. I know they signed a new one with him recently. check, I think, is there. Like, I don't know. To me, it's. Jimmy G is going to take him wherever he takes him. They might win a Super Bowl, and then it's like a decision has to be made. But Trey Lance conversation is not going away, and I just see them playing against the Cardinals last night. You know, I think it was like so at one point. It's just you know, Elijah Mitchell nine yards, uh, Debo on a pitch eight yards, Kittle just it's like all right.
4: Now imagine a mobile quarterback who can do that stuff too. It's something to consider. All right, what's the third down? Uh, before we leave second down, there's a I saw a tweet the other night from Jay Gray Jets that was Jimmy G had as many touchdown passes last night as Zach Wilson had on the season.
3: Yeah, I know. So the far. Zach Wilson stuff is brutal, bro. Like there's no there's no stat that's gonna be the contrarian take on this. And as much as Jets fans you know, are, are beating up Zach Wilson this week. Like I, there's a tough, tough place for the other side of that aisle and be like, Hey, just be patient. I, I don't see it uh, yet. And I, I feel for the kid, but but I don't even know. I mean, based on his, I don't even know if he's feeling it. Like that's the thing. I think that's what sets Jets fans the most that, uh, you know, we just want you to wear it. We want you to, we want you to feel it like we do. We're fans. We've been watching this for, for 30 years. And it's, you know, him just being like, huh? We're all right. I don't know if that, that rubbed people wrong.
4: All right. Third down Odell. He was watching the Cowboys game. The news now is Cowboys Giants. Maybe Uh, what are you hearing about Odell? It's it's amazing that there are thirty two teams that play football.
3: There are sixty something players on each one of those teams. There's a coaching staff of twenty guys and gals. There's a front office for every team. There's owners for every team. There's there's international games. And Odell is still one of the hottest topics. He hasn't played a single snap this season. It's really an interesting deal. And I see Ndamukong Sue join the Eagles and like just be thrown right into the lineup and play. And it's like, okay, I guess, I guess that might be a new thing here right? where Odell's not going to sign with the team until after Thanksgiving. I think he's going to make a prorated contract that's pretty good no matter where he signs. I would think he's going to make like 4 or $5 million for probably six or seven regular season games and then the playoff run, which is Incredible coming off his second straight major knee injury. I'm hearing Cowboys, Giants, and Bills as still a possibility. As still a possibility that Von Miller and him are so tight that they talk, you know, if not daily, weekly, and that still might be in the mix. And Brandon Bean has, has shown already at the trade deadline and also in free agency that he's not scared to pull the trigger. The Giants thing I don't get, and I know a lot of Giants fans want it, especially they lost another wide receiver to injury this week. I just, or the it's a half year rental, and they desperately need a wide receiver, and it would be a great story Odell coming home based on the way things ended. Um, I, I don't, I don't know if that's what the Giants need to get over the top. I don't know if I see the Giants as. Uh, a place that he would necessarily want to go based on their offense and how that thing is built and really their lack of experience in January. I think Odell wants to win a, win a ring. He won one last year. I think he wants to win another one. And to me, Buffalo and Dallas make a lot of sense. Uh, how ironic that the Cowboys are playing the giants on Thanksgiving and the winner might be the one that Odell just says, you know what, I'm hitching my wagon to them. I'd also say this, I think I mentioned it earlier. Um, if you watch Michael Gallup this season, if you watch uh, Chris Godwin this season, like be patient thinking you're getting Odell Beckham, you know, 2016. If he gets on the field, he might take a while before he gets going, but that's okay. As long as they have him by uh, that playoff run, my money's on Buffalo or the Cowboys. I, I I'd be shocked if he, if he's a giant. And yet again, shocking has been the theme of the whole season.
4: All right, fourth down, who do you want to shout out this week? Ah, I got to shout out Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey. Yeah,
3: Kelsey's 33, and he's got as good a numbers as any skill position player in the league this season, maybe short of Justin Jefferson, but even then, if you consider what he does at the tight end spot, Kelsey is unbelievable, and... Mahomes has never lost a like a, a road game in the division. There's crazy stuff, but the two of them, is there a way to have co-MVPs this season? Like I, I I it's funny because we we break our backs to be like, well, maybe this is the year Micah Parsons is the MVP, or maybe this is a non-quarterback year and Justin Jefferson's our MVP, or you, you try to make this two a case, which a lot have been making, and we'll see how that goes. But like, what are we doing? Mahomes is the best player every single time he walks on the field. And Travis Kelsey might be the second best player every time he walks on the field. Those two guys together, it's amazing what they did on Sunday night. I never doubted the Chiefs were winning that game, and I know that sounds arrogant and there's hubris, but like as long as there was time left on the clock, Mahomes was finding Kelsey. He's made. They had they had no juju. They had no Clyde Edwards-Alaire. I, 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 they Nicole were missing Hardman. Hardman yeah. was out. He's gone. Uh, you know, two plays in, Kadarius Tony does the Kadarius Tony thing. He's out with an injury. And it's like, don't worry, we've got we've got Fortson and Watson and Gray and uh, Sky Moore made a huge third down conversion. And then in the end, it's like, give me Kelsey, give me Kelsey, give me Kelsey. I also thought the defense stepped up. Defense had a great day. Willie Gay was all over the field. My guy, uh, Bolton, was all over the field. Chiefs are really fun to watch. They're really hard to root against. And, you know, the Chargers were, again, noble. And valiant in a lot of ways in what they were able to do and come back from being down. But, like, it's just never going to be enough if Mahomes is the ball with any time left. I'm going to make this argument. Mahomes is the MVP, and it reminds me of Michael Jordan in the 90s when I specifically recall, you know, Charles Barkley won the 93 MVP award. I think Carmelo won the 97 MVP award. the, The league would try, they would try to push these other guys and, like, that's the equivalent of, hey, yeah, but look at what is doing. Or, hey, maybe we can make a strange argument that a defensive player should be the thing. And this is the year that it's like Lawrence Taylor in 86. No, 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 no. Right now, cast the ballot. It's Mahomes. And if it's not Mahomes, I might put Kelsey. Aaron, who do you want to give a shout um, out to? I want to
4: give a shout out to TJ Watt. I Talk I, about I, it. You know, Last week, we had the Justin Jefferson catch, and you made the argument that that catch was more in context more important than the OBJ sideline catch and the TJ Watt interception was not contextually important the Steelers lost to the Bengals but i like shrieked when i saw that like it's uh it's third quarter Burroughs trying to hit tyler boyd and watt like goes si- like diagonally his arms just go up and it was he knocks incredible. the ball down and he's and like you didn't think he had it at first i it was so amazing and that's one of my favorite things watching football and like really any pro sport is like, these are people doing physical things I will never be able to do. And just and none and of TJ us is also, I mean like such an incredible player, uh, you know, he was injured for so much of the season. I feel like he, Kind of lost a little shine. He's not as getting as much hype. Yeah, it was a a Micah Parsons. He's so good. And that interception, like if if anyone didn't see it, just go watch it. It's like four seconds, and it's it's my favorite thing that's happened this year.
3: I'm glad you mentioned it because it it happens in a in a loss. It happens in a game that most people were watching Vikings Cowboys. It happens in a game for a team that isn't going anywhere this season. And yet you get this incredible feat of athletic strength. And it's like, that is the moment why we love football and why TJ Watt is, is different than the other guys, Um, which will be interesting because after our next interview, we're going to bring in uh our guy Taylor, who's going to come in and kind of make the case for <laughs> another defensive player. But to me, I'm starting a team. Still Aaron Donald. It's still TJ Watt. Those are my two guys on defense.
4: Awesome. All right. Should we uh, head into our interview?
3: Yeah, let's go. Our interview this week is a great friend of mine. I've known him for 20 years, and he's about to have one of the biggest afternoons of his life. He's the lead play-by-play voice for Fox Sports, and he is calling the Thanksgiving matchup between the Giants and the Cowboys a huge career accomplishment. Can't wait to welcome in my Jersey brother, Kevin Burkhart.
5: Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva, With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like ah, being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb.
3: And now the voice you're going to hear when uh, the, the game begins between the Cowboys and the Giants on Fox, it's his first time ever calling a Thanksgiving football game. And I think that's maybe the ultimate honor in, in play-by-play calling, and maybe even beyond the Super Bowl, considering the amount of people that are going to be gathered around watching Cowboys, Giants. I couldn't be happier for him. Ladies and gentlemen, let's introduce Kevin Burkhart. Kevin, what's up, man?
7: Driggs, baby. I'm good, man. I'm good. How you doing?
3: I'm good. I, I think I maybe just went over my skis and said Thanksgiving is bigger than the Super Bowl. You're doing both this season, but as someone who's been hacking away at this career for over 20 years to be 48 hours away from calling Thanksgiving Day football on Fox, what's it mean to you, man?
7: No, it's it's real. I, I get what you mean. Like, you know, I uh, look, obviously the whole thing's big, right? I mean, the whole the whole job is big and we're doing big games every week, but you know, there were a couple on the calendar that I thought that it might like hit me and be like really really cool. One of them was Dallas Green Bay, which turned out to be epic awesome. a, couple, a couple weeks ago. Um, you know, just because Lambo Cowboys Packers, Aaron Rodgers McCarthy back, and then so that was that was awesome to be a part of. And then yeah, I you know yes, the playoffs and the Super Bowl would be great, but Thanksgiving Day, uh, man. I mean the thing like we you know growing up in a football family, it was you know it was kind of eating around both games, right? Yeah. Catch, catch your early game, halftime, go to the football on the street, eat the meal between games, you know, and then the Cowboys game's on, you watch that, you know, maybe halftime you watch or maybe you go to the football again and then, you know, you watch the rest of the game, you have dessert after the game, that's it. Like, that was the day. Um, so I feel like it's it's obvious, it is an honor and because it's like, you know, you're, you're in people's homes every week and a lot of people's homes, but I feel like people you're really in people's homes, you know, because, you know, Uncle Stevie's over and Aunt, yeah. Aunt Alba's over and, and, you know, they're all kind of watching and they're all have a, a glass of wine or a warm glass of milk, whatever it is. <laughs> you're kind of like hugging everybody. So uh, I I think it's beyond awesome, man. I really do. I'm so I was excited. Trying to,
3: I was trying to go back in my head and I'm like, you know, I, I'm a little younger than you, not much, but I'm trying to think. Like, when? What's my first Thanksgiving football memory? I have a memory of the Leon Let in the snow and Pete Stevanovich missing the kick, and then you know he that that was like early '90s, I guess. I remember the the missed coin toss with Bettis and Phil Luckett and all that. But like,
7: yeah, it's your earliest Thanksgiving football memory. Uh, oh boy, earliest is a good question. I mean, I remember. I certainly remember the snow game with Leon Lett at yeah. Miami, right? I mean, that was because yeah. I mean it's snowing in Dallas. That was it made uh, no sense. The... Why was it
3: snowing in Dallas? I still don't get I it. Have no
7: <laughs> idea. So like that was like totally beyond wild. Uh I remember Randy Moss against <laughs> Dallas. That was that yes. was, I mean, I remember that. Um, you know, I, I mostly remember Madden Summer, to be completely honest. And you know, John giving out turkey legs and traducking legs to Emmett Smith. I mean, that's that's the stuff that I remember maybe more so than the games at some point, you know, it's all the fun stuff around it, which is why I think it's awesome. It's just, it's not just the game. It's, it's everything around it. And like the holiday that you're doing it on.
3: Let me give you the bingo board because our show, we did it one year and it was like, we clicked it like perfectly. All right. You get the, the Madden and Summerall highlights, right? So we'll get the target thing. Well, okay. We'll also get the mandatory um, shot of the truck and everyone waving, right? Are we getting one of those?
7: Have to. I mean, you're, you're like you're asking me like I've done this before, but I, that's a staple. Like it's like we got to have the shot of the truck. You know, we got to have the Z and Russo over director and producer waving alone. Oh, there they are pretending they're, they're, they're working
5: hard. They're pressing they're something, working, but they're really not. Buttons.
7: You know the whole thing. You know, get Jacob ullman back there in the background. Jacob waving. Jake
3: Jolivet waving. You get all. Nice. Fly
7: in. Like we'll have we'll have <laughs> Rich Gross will be there. You know, like the whole. The whole crew would be there, so you know it's, which I think is awesome because it's like it's such a big audience. It's nice to say, look at all these people that work hard to make this whole broadcast go, because it's certainly a heck of a lot more people than us. Yeah, um, and I think that part is really. You get
3: one more mandatory thing, and I, I think CBS does it. I don't know if Fox does it. The ending credits after the game and you've get, you get the picture of everyone on the crew with their family. And I always like that. I'm like, that's a nice touch. They used to do that for CBS. I don't know if Fox does it, but it'd be like, here's like Bill and Susie. Who, you know, Bill operates the camera. There's Susie. There's their kid, Jonathan. And they're at like Coney Island. And it's like, all right, there they are. They're on Thanksgiving. Great. Good to see
7: them. I just, I, so I don't, you know, we haven't gone over the, a lot of stuff with the broadcast yet, obviously, but like I, like we played a clip of uh, Madden and Summer on Thanksgiving during our giant game. It was the yeah. LT interception return. Yeah, 1980. I hope we play a ton of Madden clips. Like I just, I, I loved it. Like it's just, I eat it up, you know, constantly. And so like I'm hoping, you know, obviously the whole day is honoring John, like all the games are on CBS and NBC too, but like give me as many John and Pat clips, you know, uh, as much as I, as I love John, I love Pat just as much. Like as a play-by-play guy, like I, I live for Pat, you know? So like, it's, I don't know. It's special, man.
3: It's so cool. And I'm so happy for you. I made it seem like you're hacking away. Like you were, you know, but your career has been, been awesome. And you have been rising and rising and you deserved and earned every moment of this. As we check in at week 12, as the lead announcer on Fox sports calling the NFC package, like, How's it going, man? And like, how? how uh, what? What surprised you the most so far? Because you could always dream of this happening, but then you get in the thick of it, and you're like, I didn't expect that to happen.
7: Yeah, you know, it, it. It's been awesome, man. I mean, it really has. Like, you know, you when you go into a situation like this, I mean, it's like, you know, Joe and Troy were there for two decades. Like, that's a long time, right? So people have long-standing relationships, and you know, we're even though I've been at Fox for nine years and, you know, Greg's was there last year, like we're the new guys, essentially. We're like, we're the new guys in the office, right? So you walk in, you don't know how they're going to react to you or, you know, what they're going to think of you and, you know, think you're any good and all that stuff. I mean, from day one, it was like, welcome to the family embrace. Like we love you. Like the whole thing. And I know that sounds kind of cheesy, but dude, it's been awesome. Like it's been, it felt like we've just fit right in. I think there's been some cool symmetry. The fact that Greg and I got to do it together because we have such a bond, as you know, we go back a long time and we did a whole year together. So the fact that we got to kind of jump in together, I think has kind of been fun and and, and helped, us, helped us both because like he knows me really well and I know him really well. So then it was just getting everybody else to know us and vice versa. So, you know, I, I don't think there's really anything that's, been super surprising. I mean, it's just getting used to different styles of of shows. You know, like the crew uh, that I've been on my whole life with, uh, Pete and Artie Kempner. Like they do a little different show than Z and Russo do. It's not good, bad, or indifferent. It's just everybody has different viewpoints and creativity. So I think it was just getting a little used to each other in terms of that. But it's felt like it's felt like I worked with them for for twenty five years. I mean, it's it's felt seamless. It's felt fun. And Trae, here's the reality right you know this we've talked about our both of our past and how we kind of journeyed up in yeah. this crazy industry like i ain't changing ain't how bad is that of a word i'm I not gonna even... i mean that's jersey i ain't i ain't i ain't i, I, ain't, I ain't gonna go through that <laughs> but I'm not going to, I'm not going to change like my style or who I am now. I'm not saying I'm not open to critiques and, and wanting to get better and to get coached, but my, the basis of what I do and how I do it, I'm not going to change that now. Cause I'm on like the a crew. I'm going to like, they like me enough to put me here. So I'm just going to yeah. keep doing what I'm doing, you know, maybe tweaks here and there, but I, if I radically change now, I'd be a moron.
3: We uh, we had lunch at the Super Bowl. You came all the way to—I mean—you graced me in downtown Los Angeles at some third-rate, 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 3rd Mexican place where, like, you know, you had to pay extra for guac. And and you sat down there, and we were talking careers, and like this was about to be announced, and we were so excited for for you. But you know, you go through all this stuff. Like, who'd you hear from that when it was announced that you're going to be the number one guy? That maybe the listener would be like, "Hey, that's pretty cool." That person reached out.
7: I heard from a lot of people. Gosh, I, I my mean, I phone—that was the craziest phone day when that actually like came out like that I've ever had. Like, just a lot of people that um, you know I haven't talked to. A lot of people. I mean, I heard first. I heard from Joe Buck. That was Is that right. Person. Did Buck reach uh, out? Yeah, that was the that was the literally the first person on my list of texts, and I tried to get back to as everyone. Was, that says that was, a lot
3: about him, but it also says a lot about you that you guys had. Even because even when you're the number one and number two guy, I can imagine. You're not um you're not crossing paths. You're not necessarily you know ever in the same place at the same time. But that's pretty cool, of Joe, to do that.
7: Yeah, it was all, like we talked too. Like when we talked when he left, and we talked, you know. Um. So, but he was he was the first, which I thought was amazing. And for so many people, you know, Mike Tarico uh, reached out. I thought like you know like David Wright from the Mets, like you really? know like. Yeah, like really nice, like just people being genuinely happy that I got the opportunity. I was just so touched by it. Um, so and 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 then it was just a lot of people that I couldn't um, that I hadn't seen or talked to in a while. You know, just friends that maybe, you know, life happens and and you hadn't heard from in a long time. People from way back, even in high school. So it was cool.
3: Yeah. And then obviously you said you have a connection with Greg Olson for the listeners. Um, take us back how far that actually goes when a young Kevin Burkhart uh, fresh pipes uh, in the booth. Who was he covering uh, back in the the late 90s?
7: So my first job out of college was calling high school football games, shregs for this little AM 1,000 watt radio station in northern New Jersey. And um Greg Olson was the Gatorade Player of the Year in New Jersey. His dad was the coach for a very long time at Wayne Hills High School. So, um, you know, we – I got to know his dad well. I had, like, production meetings with his dad. We'd go watch tape with his dad, break down, like, the team and the opponent. He would help us out. And then, you know, I didn't – we we did different teams, but I did some of Greg's games when he played in, in, in high school and I interviewed him a ton after games. And it was like, you know, so he was really, like, the first guy that I – that i talked to and interviewed like as a professional out of college like that was my first like real job so it's just funny like it's funny now that the two you know jersey dudes who were like you know back in the day a uh, bunch of knuckleheads he goes on and has <laughs> a hall of fame career and then he decides let me go have another career and he's paired up with me of all people so it's just funny how it's full circle type stuff right
3: and, and he's a trip i know uh aaron andrews was on another podcast talking about just how funny he is um He's got I I don't know if he shows it in the booth like quite as much as I almost want him to, but this guy's hilarious, Greg Olson. Like, is he the best to hang with just socially? And I feel like he's a great
7: hang. Come to one of our Saturday dinners. We have an old fashioned and uh, kick it off, and it's just like laughs. It's like nonstop. But that's what builds the chemistry, right? Like maybe it doesn't. You know, you know, some of the stuff obviously is not for TV, but it's. I think that stuff builds the chemistry that you have on air with the whole group, not just me, not just he and I, but you know, with Aaron and with the behind the scenes people and you get trust built. So he's a dude, he is a blast. I mean, I I know you're flying to the West coast and doing shows Sunday morning. You're all over the place, but I don't know, playoffs, you got to come to one of our dinners. You'd have a blast. I would love it. it. Um,
3: It You guys are great. And I I look at like, not only you in the football booth, but I think you wear a different hat really well too. I think you're, I'm going to say it. I think you're the best, if not one of the best studio hosts in all of sports television. And I've told you that before. I think the work you do on Fox during the World Series and during the postseason is marvelous. And the stuff that you guys have done with Big Poppy and A Rod and all the guys like, that's a really entertaining studio show. And as someone who's on a studio show both Monday to Friday, then also on Sunday, I find it amazing that you just jump right in and you guys pick it up year after year and have this chemistry. You've become especially close to one, Alex Rodriguez, who I I, I mean, when I say like, it's not like you know me and Charles Woodson who hang at the hotel, whatever. Like you and A Rod are like socially friends. You guys will go out and hang. What's it like being boys with A Rod, and what's the reception he gets when you guys go out in the town at night?
7: He's he's just a great dude, man. He's misunderstood, I think, a lot. You know, he's got a big heart, and and he's really, when it comes down to it, he's he's actually a pretty normal guy. Like he, you know, he loves his daughters. He's a great father. He, you know, he loves baseball and loves sports. He's he he, he's a really good dude and ever since he came to fox like he's treated me great and like we just we just had a really really good rap it's just funny man i mean he's a he is a megastar like a monster megastar there's nowhere that he goes that doesn't elicit some kind of emotion from people whether it's good or bad but he plays it all like he's really learned he's really learned to to be self-deprecating and like how much fun you could have with that And i think people have really kind of taken to him because of that you know he was such a villain when he played when he wasn't at home um and i think people have really seen what he's about and he's smart as shit. like he you yeah. know you can talk to him about baseball you're talking about business like he knows he knows his stuff man so yeah I, i'm a, i'm a big fan
3: i'm gonna tell a story that i heard from a fox producer and tell me if this is possible if this sounds right um yeah. Early on, A-Rod is working for Fox in the studio, and when you're a big fancy ex-player, you and I don't get this treatment, but at Fox, is how they treat the ex-players. We're we're peons, but the ex-players get (laughs) treated like gold. Okay, I mean gold. If you're an ex-player looking for a job, do not consider any other place than Fox. I will tell you that right now. Um, And what they would offer is obviously you get a, a, a hotel room, you get a car service. You get, I'm by the way, I'm kidding. Fox treats Kevin and I very nicely. Um, yeah. Yeah. But you know, a guy like a rod when he's coming through or Frank Thomas or big poppy, it's like you get first class treatment. So he's doing the studio show in century city at the Fox lot, doing the show, whatever. And the show ends and he gets undressed and he's, and he's getting ready and he just heads outside. And one of the producers is like, Whoa, where are you going? And he's like, I just called an Uber X back to the hotel and the producer's like, no, no, no. we have a driver ready for you. And he's like, Oh no, I'm good. And he just hopped in like an Uber X for $7 and went back to his hotel and didn't think twice about it. Uh, Tell me if that sounds accurate or if that's just like tall tales, like Alec Ferdinand is a great guy. Let me tell you a story.
7: No, I dude, (laughs) He'll he'll go like, you know, like we're in the world series. Like we'll be like, I'm like, Hey, I'm going to walk in the stadium and get some French fries or something like that. He's like, Oh, I'll come. I'm like, what? <laughs> you can't come. You'll get, you'll get destroyed. You know what I mean? So it's like, I don't think he realizes. Like half the time, he's just like, hey, "Yeah, I'll come do that." Like, no, no, no you can't. Like, you, you- can't, bro. Like that, you're gonna get beer
3: <laughs> spilled on you, and that will inevitably get spilled on me.
7: <laughs> so he does act like that. He's just like, why? Why? What's wrong? You know, it's funny.
3: Um, one of the cool things about being on the number one crew is you get the best game every week. And that means you get to see the top quarterbacks. Uh, you always were on the number two crew. So it wasn't like you were a stranger to guys like Rodgers and guys like Brady and whoever else. But uh, interesting season with Rodgers and Brady. And I think both those guys have, have really had to overcome some things. And in one case, it looks like Brady's on his way. In another one, it looks like, you know, that 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 goose might be cooked out there in Green Bay. What has been your impression of Brady and Rodgers, just from having real rea- real relationships with them, and during these production meetings where they're usually uncut and they're not talking uh, in front of a podium?
7: Yeah, it's uh, we haven't had we haven't had Tom in a while. We had them a bunch early, and we haven't had them in a while. But obviously, yeah, they've kind of saved their season a little bit here. And, you know, look, he obviously has been through a lot off the field. Right. I, I don't care how much money you make or what you're doing. Like you got that stuff going on. That's going to affect mm-hmm. you. That's the bottom line. I think the biggest thing you realize is just how competitive these guys are. Like people always ask why are they still, how long are they going to go? Or why are they still playing? Because their competitive nature, like won't allow them to stop. That's really what it comes down to. Like, you know, and, and every time you talk to them, you, you, You feel it. You see it. They tell you. You know, we've had Aaron a ton this year with Green Bay, and um, he's the best. I mean, we'll we'll talk with him for an hour and just shoot the. Would he be good at
3: this stuff, like studio in the booth? Like, I know he might not want to do it. Would you? uh, Because I also feel like when I, even on just McAfee, when he's just teeing off, it's like it's it's very captivating. He's very engaging with the listener, and it's and it's smart.
7: He is awesome. He's so smart. He's engaging. He's fun to talk to. We you know we bust chops. He's just and he's honest. You know, we always ask people, we always want athletes to be honest. Well, I ain't going to be more honest than him. I could tell mm-hmm. you that right now. So he, would he be great at this if he wants to do it? Yeah. A hundred percent. He's so freaking smart and he sees everything and he explains it in a way where like he, even for the dummies like me, it's like, Oh, yeah. I get it. I understand. You know, it's one thing he could talk to Greg Olson and they could go bumble boom, boom, boom back and forth, but if he could explain it, so I get it or anybody gets it. So, I think if he wants to do it, he'd be amazing. I don't, I don't know if that's the way he wants to go, yeah. you know, um, but it, it's, it's a real perk, you know, and I think that's part of it is you try to bring these guys to life, like, right. Cause we get access and quite frankly, we get stuff that no one else gets. And, and a lot of it we can't even use on TV, but it's good for perspective and like to see like what the big picture and what's going on. And, and, you know, we're kind of educated, so we don't, you know, so we don't say the wrong thing or, you know, say things that aren't true, you know, so it's, it's great.
5: The rules
3: for the listener at home saying, What do you mean you can't say it? Also, you have these production meetings, and it's pretty much understood. If it informs the game during the broadcast, you can say whatever, but there's also an unspoken rule of, If there's, you know, some injury information or if there was a comment that might be taken out of context, like it's not meant for air. And a lot of times announcers will get caught because they'll say something from the production meeting that probably shouldn't have made air. And then there's this feeling of trust that's been broken. How do you navigate that? And I know you've in your career, from what I gather, you've never broken that trust. And I guess just keep it in your back pocket and then you can sprinkle it in when necessary, right?
7: Well, see, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not an insider, right? Like you are. And, and I, I could give a about throwing stuff on Twitter. I don't care. So like, you know, anything that, you know, if, you know, just talk to Brian Dable, if he tells me injury stuff on the, on the giants, I'm not going to go to Twitter and put, I I don't, I could care less about that. Like I'm more context of how does it help us prepare for the game? And it's also like, it's how do we, you know, so we have opinions, obviously, and Greg has opinion. His opinion, Greg's, Greg's opinions, are the most important because he's the analyst, and it's, mm-hmm. the show revolves around him. But it's also nice to know, and these guys know that some context. If something happens, maybe this is why. Maybe this is why this person isn't going to play, or maybe this is why we're going to do this. Like, just have an education, so it's not just uh, why are they doing that. And you know, yes, part of it is obviously giving their side of the story, but part of it is helpful in terms of preparation, and you know, maybe. You know, maybe it's a hey, go back and watch this, or go look at this, as a kind of like a heads up, right? Just so it's there. It's like it's almost in a way, it's almost like a partnership. Like they're trusting us, um, and you know, they're also helping us, right, in, in a way. And 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 hopefully, it's it's kind of reciprocated. They're giving us some information that will help us in the broadcast and help the viewer. But the real nitty gritty stuff, it's just that's that's not for air. That's the bottom line. So it's it's just massaging those. You know. massaging those relationships. You're talking about stuff on good morning football. You're talking about it educationally because you have a background on it. You're not just throwing stuff against the wall and hoping it sticks. Like you have your opinion, but you're also basing some of those opinions on what you actually know is fact. That's what we're doing. Yeah.
3: It's, and you, you do such a good job at it. My last thing is for all the people who are listening, who want to get into our field. A lot of times I have on GMs or coaches uh, and, and the question is like, if you had an elevator speech and you had 30 seconds, and a kid out of college was like, what would be your one piece of advice? And they've, they've been all over the board. Like Ryan Bowles' whole thing was like, surround yourself, like place yourself in a situation where you're learning from good people. And then, you know, Joe Shane's thing was like, you know, take every opportunity you can and just dive in and go, and then just like, you know, worry about that later for you someone who you know went grew up in jersey went to college in jersey was selling used cars was was doing three things at once was working for WFA and to now where you're at a lot of people just look at the finished product what would be your piece of advice for a young man or woman leaving let's just say college right now with a broadcast journalism degree and someday wants to be a professional play-by-play announcer
7: well, I say it all the time, uh, so it's easy for me. I, I Just just shoot for your dreams and don't stop. Um, and I'm not saying that every single person is going to be calling a World Series or a Super Bowl or hosting their own show on good morning football, whatever. But it's so important to, to have your dreams and to be able to go and try and get them and work your tail off to go and try and get them. Don't listen to anybody if they say, it's oh, it's impossible. You're not going to get that. No, too hard. You're not going to make any money, blah, 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 blah. If you want it, and realistically, if you think you're good enough to do it, go for it. Like, if you don't have that and the want and the dreaming ability to go and do it, how are you ever going to, like, I would never be here if I didn't do that. I had so many people support me, Shrags, obviously, but I had so many people would be like, oh, you're crazy. Like, that's a waste of time. Okay. I don't think they're telling me that anymore. So you have to have that. Shoot for you. I tell the college kids you who know, I talk to all the time, just shoot for your dreams. Like, why not? Why would like why wouldn't you? Right. Like, if- would you
3: agree? I mean, I, I hear you. And it's like, my other thing is always this. And I don't know if they're going to bleep it out. Like, just don't be an a- either. Like, I feel like you got got 100 percent Q rating. Ian Eagle is a 100 percent Q rating. Anyone who meets Mike Tarico loves him. Jim Nance loves him. Joe Buck. Great. Like, don't be an. A- be great. Be gracious. Be be hardworking, but also treat people Right
7: listen, I agree with you. that's how I've always tried to be you know I'm sure there's times that people have caught me on bad days or like <laughs> days where maybe I haven't been the greatest but I, I certainly strive to treat everyone with kindness because that's how I was raised. I don't think it's that hard to say hello or smile or be nice. I, I learn really someone's name. I, I just don't think it's that hard. So not everyone's gonna love you but I think if you treat everyone with respect, hopefully they have the same for you. I hundred I percent agree. I, I just think that's easy.
3: Uh, I'll go back real quick to probably divisional round or wild card round, 2019, 18. Texans are playing the Bills. I had to be in Fox uh, in LA on a Sunday morning. <laughs> I was invited so graciously by Kevin to hang out with his family and watch the game. We're watching the game. Do you want to tell the listeners what I was preoccupied with the entire time while we were watching Texans Bills?
7: Am I am I allowed to say this with the phone? Yeah, just, yeah, yeah. We're, we're sitting there on the couch watching Texas. Bills. Can't with,
4: relax because
7: having snacks. Hey, hold, hold on one second. Got to be quiet. Phone rings. Wink Martindale's is on the other line. Wink. wink
3: Martindale about to interview for the Giants job talking to me. And ironically, it's so great. This is for the head coaching job. And the next day they hired Joe judge, but I couldn't watch the game because I had wink on the phone and we were talking about the Giants job. Meanwhile, I'm about to say it now. Two years later, Wink is a defensive coordinator of the Giants. He's where he belongs anyway. He's coaching there, he's there. But
5: Kevin was dying because can't we just watch the game? You're worried about Wink Martindale.
7: I was like, you know, I was like, I you know, we got the game on, you know, the sound I'm turning the sound down and Shrake is on the couch, like phone, like you know, uh, talking to Wink about his Giants interview. I'm like, this see, like that's why I don't need to tweet or do any of that stuff. I just want to watch the game. <laughs> You're way too important than
5: me. Yeah, right. I probably told Wick, say this, say this, say this. His interview lasted 10 minutes, and they hired Joe Judge. So I don't think I helped anything at all. Oh,
7: my gosh. Meanwhile, my wife just loves you. She's like, yeah, when's Schrager coming over? Like, I got to like,
5: come back. I love her, too. Rachel's amazing.
3: Um, all right, last uh, last thing. I'm going to ask you a favor. When you guys do the, the mandatory shot to the truck where you've got Ian Martin and uh, – Jake Jollivet and Cody waving to the, to the, to the camera. And you've got this thing and Jacob Ullman's waving. Can you shout out, can you shout out, uh, shout out, Hey, this is for Peter Schrager. Here's this clip right here. Here's all our guys in the truck working. No, I'm kidding. You don't have to do that.
7: Happy Thanksgiving. It's going to be great. I'll tell you one thing I'm going to do. I'm going to, I'm going to, pee in my pants a little bit when it comes on though, because I'm going to think of this conversation you
3: better believe it You better it's mandatory I love it and I love all those guys and gals in the truck hey good luck on Thursday I've taken enough of your time what a cool moment in your career and I have a feeling we're going to talk to you uh Super Bowl week we might have to before you call the first time a uh Fox Super Bowl called by Kevin Burkhart I can't I can't be happier for you you're the best you're the nicest dude I know and uh you've been really important in my career my friend
7: you are the best man appreciate you having me on we'll do it again
5: <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like <sighs>
3: Can't wait to hear Kevin on the call with Greg Olson, Aaron Andrews, and Tom Rinaldi on Thursday. I couldn't be happier for the guy. Kevin Burkhart's one of the true great men in this industry who's always been good to me, and it's been good to everyone he's ever worked with. Uh, excited for him to have a legendary call in his first Thanksgiving game. You know, earlier in the show, my guy Aaron and I, we have been talking, and we were going gaga over TJ Watt. And earlier this season, I've been going gaga Every single week on Micah Parsons, I'm going to bring in our friend Taylor Kyles from the NFL Network Research Group right now because Taylor has a thought, and I wanted to give him the platform, and I wanted to make I wanted to make me smarter. Taylor, what's up, my man?
6: I'm doing all right, brother. How you doing?
3: Happy Thanksgiving week. We were talking earlier before we get to your take. Uh, I am not a traditional Thanksgiving meal guy. In fact, I am anti dry turkey i am anti candied yams i am anti the gravy boat being passed around from grandma millie to grandma rhoda to everyone and then finally getting to me and i'm getting the remnants let me ask you we spoke with aaron taylor are you in on traditional thanksgiving meal or are you one of these new wave guys like me and aaron who are like hey let me just enjoy what i want to enjoy on thanksgiving
6: I've been a new wave guy, man. My mom always knew when I was growing up, we got to make a ham for Taylor because I do not think turkey should exist in any capacity. That may be blasphemy, but I, I can't stand it. I, I, you got to give me a little something different. I don't care what the meat is as long as it's not turkey. No. I, yeah, It's not- dry.
3: It's boring. It's offensive in a lot of ways. I look at that turkey and I just think, who wants to eat that on any day? And then people fake it and they act like, oh, well, if you deep fry it. and it-. No. No, I don't want it.
6: If you got to do that much to it then there's something wrong. It Thank doesn't have you. to always be complicated. Just stick with the basics. <laughs> how
3: how did you eat your your ham as a kid? What what's the how is that prepared? Cuz I'm willing to make the shift to ham. I've had steak, I've had pizza on Thanksgiving. Blasphemous. I know. I will have anything but turkey, but I have not done a proper ham. What what is the preparation for the ham?
6: Usually it was always honey glazed for me and that kept little Tay happy. That was what Mm -hmm. I would usually go with. And then I think we actually went uh, the Christmas story route. At least one Thanksgiving did Chinese food. Chinese food, So I'm all about switching it up. I'm a guy who likes variety anyway. So again, as long as it's just not the turkey. Give me the mac and cheese, the collard greens, you know, those conventional. All the fixings. The sides are fine. The sides are what you come for. And then you just need a meat that can, you know, it, it doesn't ruin the rest of the meal. And like I said, turkey is, it's an infiltrator. We don't need it.
3: An infiltrator. I love this. All right. So we had you on last week. You made us smarter talking Justin Jefferson, but this week, I think everyone was watching the end of that jets Patriots game. And the big storyline is, you know, the jets inability to move the ball. And even in new England, the big storyline is what's wrong with Mac, but I'm going to have you on right now and make us smarter. We talk so much about Parsons. We talk so much about TJ Watt. Who's the most underappreciated pass rusher in the NFL
6: today? ironically, I think it's actually the guy who leads the league in sacks. And I would say that is Matt Judon. Now, I am a Patriots fan, so i got to stand on the soapbox for my guy. But when you look at next-gen stats, all right, so going back to 2016, Matt Judon is currently on pace to have the second-highest sack rate behind T.J. Watt's record-tying season. So I think that's a pretty good company to be in. And it's pretty interesting to see how he does it because Judon also has, according to PFF, the most unblocked pressures in the NFL. So conventionally, you might think, OK, maybe he's having an easier time than other guys. But the Patriots actually had a really cool adjustment to, I don't know if you remember, but Judon kind of slid off at the tail end of last year. He had all those sure. sacks, all those numbers, and it went down. Teams started to chip him more. They started to give extra help to try to take him away. What the Patriots have done a lot this year and where most of Judon's sacks have come from is on line games and stunts. So a defensive tackle, sometimes a linebacker in the middle of the defense will occupy the center and the guard to his side now while he's doing that Judon, the guy who's big and explosive he's 260 Mm -hmm. pounds and he shot out of a cannon gets to loop inside avoid the extra help that teams put on the edges to try to take care of him and then it's so hard for those bigger interior guys to deal with you know that that big shot out of a cannon when he's coming at you and you're thinking you had to block somebody else and then he's just really hard to get away from because he's got the long arms he's a bigger linebacker so a lot of his production he can win one-on-one he's got a great speed move he likes to rip around the edge and flatten which again he's such a big guy you don't see that very often but a lot of his production has come thanks to the help of his teammates but also some really good scheming from the patriots
3: I, I, I love Judon. We've had him on Good Morning Football probably a dozen times over the years, Raven, and then now, and it's like, here's what's cool about him. Small school guy, Division two school, and a great program there, but a smaller school. Um, gets into the league, makes an impact and then goes to the Patriots in one of their first big free agent signings. Like they had Gilmore a couple years ago, but like Judon, when they signed Judon, it was like, Whoa, they're spending a lot of money on a guy who's not from their team. That's rare. And then he actually has exceeded expectations. Then you add to the fact, and this is the stuff that we like, you go talk about the numbers and the inside rush. Single digit jersey, red sleeves, cool look, great energy on the sidelines, amazing press conferences, always has a a personality, a point of view, always looking to bust chops a little bit when necessary. As a Patriots fan, you have to love what he's brought to this team.
6: Oh, yeah, and you can't forget the celebration either. Like, how many guys are getting a sack in the entire team, the entire fan base is doing the exact same thing in unison? Like, that's pretty awesome as well. And then I remember when we used to play the Ravens, I would always kind of say under my breath, like, Who's that 99? Right, like, that Matt Judon guy is pretty good. He's like one of the biggest dudes on the field, and he's running around. And even this year, a lot of his sacks have also he's wrangled Lamar Jackson and Justin Fields and chased those guys down like he's just such a fun player to watch he's also good you know talk about the pass rush and that's what gets all the headlines but as a run defender he's not bad either he uses that size and he can is a big reason the Patriots have really solidified their uh, run defense as long as they're not playing any mobile quarterbacks that has had to be seen
3: (laughs) six and four um, going into Thanksgiving they've got a game Thanksgiving night in Minnesota give me the pulse of the Patriot fan I do Bill Simmons podcast every week I get his feelings I I know where where he's at but Give me your thoughts, Patriots. Are, are we like... Tentative? Are we feeling good? Is that win feel like he escaped the win, or do you feel like that was a triumphant win against the Jets? Like, where are we at right now as a Patriots fan?
6: I think the excitement level for the defense and special teams are at an all time high because I mean they're the ones who kept you in the game and they're the reason you won the game. Uh, the defense is playing some outstanding football, especially considering how much the rookies have been involved. Jack Jones, one of PFF's top graded corners, mm-hmm. came in and he's been really good as a tough electric turnover machine. Marcus Jones, who returned the punt, has also had some time on. Defense and he's really been able to bring a lot of value. So I don't think anybody's worried about the defense. I think, you know, the pass rush is there, the coverage is there, they're in good shape. Offensively, it's hard not to be skeptical, especially David Andrews might be out for the season. Isaiah Wynn's going to be missing time. So everything, you know, as I'm sure you know, it starts in the trenches. So uh, that's an area. It'd be of nice if the quarterback could make a play too, though, dude. I mean, that's, I will say, I was critical of Mac Jones. I think that he was putting a ball up for uh, the opponent way too often. The turnovers were inexcusable. He has gotten better. I thought last yeah. week really was his best game.
3: I know. I think he completed like 22 or 27. It wasn't like his numbers were bad. His completion percentage was fine. It's just you don't have any fear that he's going to do anything. And I know it's windy, but like at no point in that game, if you're a Jets fan, are you worried about Mac Jones beating you deep or doing anything special?
6: Absolutely not. Honestly, I think that beating them deep isn't really even where you want to see the Patriots right now. They came out in the season and were like, hey, we're going to try to be like the Bills. Up, up the yard. Exactly. Yeah. And they're throwing the same like three or four concepts at you and teams were defending it. Max getting sacked. So I think what they really need to get back to is some of more of that underneath passing game where you get the ball in Ramondre Stevenson's hands, the guy who turned a third and 18 into a first down I on know. sheer willpower. You know, they've got the workhorses to dink and dunk underneath and get back to that Patriots offense they've had success with. So I really think that if they can kind of tone down the aggressiveness pick their spots better and just get the ball out of max hands faster I think we could start seeing him play more point guard and excel within his own skill set
3: everybody if you're watching you've seen the Patriots play but number nine with those red sleeves keep an eye on him Thursday night Thanksgiving evening Vikings versus Patriots and if you are looking for smart, insightful stuff on Twitter, Taylor Kyles, tell us where we can find you once more.
6: Yep, You can find me at T-K-Y-L-E-S 39. You're kicking butt, dude. Thank you so much for joining and thanks for making me smarter. Thanks for having me, brother. Take care.
3: Taylor's great. And uh, I had to bring back my, my buddy, Detro, because last week the feedback was incredible. People wanted more. He went on a 15-minute rant about the following... Uh, 10 days of sports, starting with the opening of the World Cup and then taking us right through college football, NFL, and then this wild week that we're in the midst of right now where it feels like at any given moment there's a World Cup goal going on or a football game occurring. And then there's like crazy college basketball going on in Maui at the same time. It's almost overwhelming. And yet I'm bringing in Dietro now. Dietro, what's up, buddy? It's Tuesday morning amidst the stretch that you called uh, the 10-day embrace the sports Mon- uh, monsoon w- how are you handling it
8: peter it's great to be back uh, me personally i'm handling it great but that's because i put a lot of preparation into this you don't just jump in saturday morning and start watching like you've never watched before you had to have a road map ready to go so i'm feeling real good I-, I think we're in a great spot i think if we look back on the past few days I mean, that, that Saturday noon slate of college football. I, I mean, I didn't you. need
3: TCU Baylor. I didn't need to have, you know, my heart's bumping all because of TCU Baylor. I'm like, I don't want to spend it all. I've got to have, have 10 days ahead of me of crazy sports. Do I need to give all my energy to TCU
8: Baylor? And there I was. The, the answer to that is yes, because they're a top five team. They, they, there's college football playoff implications. If you're going to get a game top five team that comes down to the very last snap of the game after a fire drill running on the field. That's what you're looking for at the noon slate. And then you flip right over to ABC with Michigan Illinois, and that goes down to the last snap of the game. That's a heck of a way to start the weekend.
3: And I tell you, I think I made two grave mistakes about, I mean, and if you're listening here, like what are you guys talking about? Todd laid it out last week. He said, hey, we've got 10 straight days of crazy sports. Don't don't overdo it too early. Prepare yourself and kind of space out your time and be ready for it all and embrace it instead of being just exhausted by it. But I think I made a grave mistake. I stayed up till 1 in the morning on Saturday night watching UCLA-USC, two teams I don't have any connection to, and I don't know if it really affects the college football playoff. And then on Monday night, I stayed up to the bitter end of a 49ers, uh, 49ers versus Cardinals game in Mexico City that was decided by the second quarter. I Todd, I, I, I think I messed up.
8: I I think the Monday night game is where you maybe took a misstep because that that UCLA-USC game, that game had 12 touchdowns in it. If, if you're looking to sit down and watch an entertaining game on a Saturday night. when and maybe it looked
3: you good. Did... The colors, the uniforms ah, at the Rose Bowl. I could say the Rose Bowl grass looked pretty crappy. I don't know what happened to that stadium. But the rest <laughs> of it, the uniforms looked great. And this Caleb Williams, like, I'm a draft guy. I want to see Caleb Williams, the Oklahoma transfer. I want to see him under the ground. He looks amazing. So I feel like I, okay, that was good. I need to see that.
8: That's exactly where I'm going with that. You you get a game where it's two rivals, two old-fashioned teams, traditional teams out there. You know them well. You get 12 touchdowns right in your face as you're going to sleep. That's the way to end that Saturday slate of college football.
3: Okay, but I wake up this morning on a Tuesday, and I wake up at a normal hour, and I've got a string of texts from – for my group thread. And you're in that group text and you're texting me about Tunisia, Denmark. There's no way you were up watching Tunisia, Denmark. How how do you have the bandwidth to watch Tunisia, Denmark?
8: That was the kind of game that you keep on in the background as uh, you taking as you're taking care of your Tuesday morning work responsibilities, because it is still happening on Tuesday morning work. The out of office messages start coming back to you Tuesday afternoon. That's when the company Thanksgiving luncheons are going on. You're starting to get the emails from all companies out there. Hey, we'll be closing tomorrow at one o'clock in the afternoon. So everybody's sort of putting it on cruise control at that point. That's how you handle that Tuesday morning, because you don't need soccer, soccer, soccer. Can I just say one quick thing about watching soccer, especially for Team USA? Yeah. Let me explain something. I'm, I'm not a big soccer guy. You know, oh, you're that. not. I'm, I'm shocked. I'm, I'm, I'm in. I'm in on the World Cup. Because it, it, it's compelling to me, but to watch a soccer game, there's nothing easier in the world. That game starts; you get 45 straight minutes of play. They give you a 15-minute break to maybe grab a snack, whatever you have to do. It comes back on; you get 45 minutes of play, and then it's over. You're not; you're not. There's no TV timeouts. There's no breaks. There's no instant replays. There, there's nothing. It, 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 you're in. You're out. The game's over. Two hours, easy peasy. It's nice.
3: And I like having it in the background also. It's almost like having golf in the background. It's just kind of like the hum of the crowd. It's a very soothing sound. And then you hear the roar and you know, there's a goal or, you know, some wild red card or yellow card. Okay. So we're Tuesday before Thanksgiving. We, we hyped this next 10 days up, lay it out for me. What do we got from here on out and how am I supposed to budget my time, my stomach and my heart and soul into sports the next few days? Cause I feel like we're about to hit
8: peak sports season. That's a fantastic question. The way that I would look at it is this. Right now, it's Tuesday morning. Me, personally, I would recommend take Tuesday night for yourself and your family. Do what you have to do. You want to go out for dinner. You want to you know, step out, go see a movie, whatever it might be. There's nothing crazy going on in that sports landscape tonight on Tuesday. Wednesday is a little bit different because some people travel on Wednesday you're trying to put together your last minute thanksgiving responsibilities if you're hosting there's a lot of things you have to do wednesday that yeah there'll be some world cup games in and out and you can have it on in the background but from a from a football straight football and nfl college standpoint there's nothing today or tomorrow that's absolutely you are nailed to the couch for 3 hours for however <laughs> then you get to thursday and now this is where it's put your foot on the gas for the next four days. This is it's, how a it sprint. Goes. it's not a marathon. It's a sprint. Yeah, that's exactly right. You, you've gotten through the first half of these eight, nine days that I'm talking about. Now it's Thanksgiving. Now at 1230, you got Bill's Lions and these Lions are frisky. They are fighting. They've won three in a row. That's a game you're going to want to watch. Then you go right into, all right, Cowboys, Giants. I'm a Giant fan. The Giants have... Uh, they, they've cut. It's amazing what happens in 48 hours in the right? NFL, huh? I feel I the mean, same here, way, bro. <laughs> it, it it it's Tuesday morning, 48 hours ago. We're talking about Brian Dable winning Coach of the Year and the Giants hosting an, a, a playoff <laughs> game. Now I'm sitting here looking at seven and ten wheels are coming. Off season's <laughs> over. It's unbelievable. And you you know you got all day Thursday. You know you're going to be eating all day long. If you're the type that's going to pour yourself a, a a little cocktail or whatever between the eating and drinking all day long on Thursday, you go into Thursday night. You get Vikings, Pats, Vi- Pats off a big win. Vikings off a absolutely horrific loss. That game has a little sizzle to it. Get through that. Wake up Friday morning. Ease into the day. Friday morning. It's the morning after Thanksgiving. There's no reason to be out there running marathons, going crazy because no turkey on- trots. You don't do a turkey trot. I'm not doing a turkey trot Friday morning. Not not <laughs> not in the middle. Not 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 in the middle of everything we have going on. It's just not going <laughs> to happen because I got to know that on Friday at two o'clock. USA, England, I'm in. you you, you got to be in for that. That is a must win for the USA right there. Apparently, that's what my soccer friends are telling me. Must win for <laughs> USA.
3: Get through USA, England, and then we know Michigan, Ohio State on Saturday, USC, Notre Dame on Saturday, full slate Sunday. But here's what my, my question for you is. And I this is coming from someone who hosts a morning show about NFL football. You know, I, I we have the show. And I checked the Twitter timeline and everyone's tweeting about Saudi Arabia, Argentina during my show. As a football fan, American football, and as someone who's kind of in a conflict here because I also work for Fox Sports and I know they paid $17 billion for the World Cup rights and this is a big moment for them. Is anyone watching Good Morning Football? or Is everyone going to start becoming experts in, uh, you know, Belgium and their golden generation, and then whatever Uruguay's got up their sleeve? And I know oh, Mbappe did this, and Lewandowski did that. Like, should I be nervous that no one's going to be watching Good Morning Football the next few days? And if not,
8: uh, please tell me what what soccer I need to be aware of. D- d- don't don't forget the Denmark six foot six goalie. You know, they, a legend, Schmeichel. But, yeah, exactly. My my opinion on it is that. Yes, the World Cup is a fun, compelling, interesting thing to watch. It can be exciting. Like I said, the games are fast. They're, they're, you're in and out in two hours. But from an American viewer standpoint, right now, you're like, let's take Friday after Thanksgiving, for instance. The USA, England, don't play don't play until two, 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah, You guys are on from 7 to 10 in the morning. You're fine. That's it. If someone's watching Good Morning Football today and they're watching it tomorrow, they're watching it Friday morning. They're not going to be pulled away to, to watch a random World Cup game. That's the average fan that you guys are getting to watch. Yeah. So I think you're fine. I don't think you lose one set of eyeballs.
3: All right. We're ending this with, with the your final word. I've spoken with Aaron, my producer. I've spoken with Taylor. Um
8: Thanksgiving turkey. In or out? Oh, a- absolutely in. Has to be dark meat, has to be smothered in gravy. I'm I'm a thousand percent in. Are you disgusted in that
3: I went new wave and I will not even look at the damn thing. I am disgusted by Turkey. I think it's dry. I think it's forced underneath a guise of American rhetoric that we are forced to believe that this is an American thing to do. And it's patriotic to eat this terrible food that has no taste and that the traditions of the family are somehow tied to some bird, some fowl. I, I, I am not a fan of Turkey and I will not be told I must have it on Thanksgiving.
8: Look, It's it's part of the scenery. It's the main part of the scenery for a Thanksgiving table. I get it, but it's not the main part of the dish that you're going to be having for dinner that you're going to enjoy the most. I think everybody openly agrees with that between the mashed potatoes, the stuffing, the potential for macaroni and cheese, the list goes on and on. It's a carb day. It's not a protein day. You want to carb up all day on Thanksgiving. That's how it goes. The turkey's there for the picture for Instagram while you're standing there and everything looks beautiful. But at the end of the day, you're going more carb than protein. Love it. All right.
3: Good luck. We've got a crazy 5 days ahead of us. Good luck to your Giants. I do you have the feeling I do that this might be like 41 nothing down.
8: This is an absolute steamroll job by the Cowboys <laughs> at home. The whole the whole country on their couch watching the Giants show up we're like we're like ev- everybody's injured on the Giants. We lose everybody. We have 2 days to prepare. This is one of those, you know, 42-10 type of things, and the wheels just explode off the giant train at this <laughs> it's point.
3: Incredible. It's true, though. Like, last week, t- we're talking Daniel Jones deserves a
8: long-term extension. This week, it's like, all right, blow the whole thing up. After one I, loss. I, I, 48 hours ago, I was talking about hosting the NFC title game, <laughs> and now I'm wondering what our draft pick will be when we finish 7-10. and 10.
3: That is the classic ethos of a New York sports fan. Uh, And that's not even getting into the Zach Wilson side of things. That's just the Giants fan. The Jets fans are a lot further along than you, my friend.
8: (laughs) The the, the Jets is a completely different story to talk about if you really wanted to dive into the Jet fan world. Because they think that not only should they be in first place, but that their starting quarterback shouldn't be playing anymore. It's a wild, wild ride to be a Jets fan.
3: You say keep him though, right? I mean, I, I went on a whole rant to start the thing, and as someone who I know watches all this stuff, and you've got thoughts, and you say you got to stick with Wilson. I said Benjamin. I, I don't. I don't think it's the worst thing in the world. I don't think it's some Supreme Court justice
8: job. I, I I think that you have to stay with him from the standpoint that he deserves enough of a leash to say, all right, is this guy the quarterback of our future or not? However, as a fan. If you're telling me that going into last week, if they would have beaten the Patriots, that they have sole possession of first place, I got to do everything that I have to do to win that game because we haven't been very good the past five or six years. When I say we, I mean the Jets. And whatever you got to do to win that game and get sole possession in first place, you got to do. I can't worry about where the quarterback position is going to be in 2023 and 2024. I want to win right now. I do What do you do this week? You bench him or you keep him? I'm I'm sending them out there against the Bears. The Jets will go out, they'll beat the Bears. Fields is a little dinged up. The Jets will go out. They, they may not win, you know, uh, 31-3, but they'll have one of those, you know, 17-9 kind of wins. They'll win, they'll write the ship, and everybody will forget that you wanted to bench Zach Wilson.
3: Here's what I would do and watch it happen. And this is not from Salah or anything. I just I have a feeling this is how it's gonna go down, and I'll end it on this. They don't say a word. They let everyone guess and speculate. It becomes a whole storyline over the next four days. They end up starting him on Sunday. He plays well. They win. This thing goes away. But the whole four days of suspense
8: and the heat, like it it lights a little fire under. I completely agree with that. And, you know, look, you got to tell them. Everyone wants to know who's starting. Once you know who's starting, that's it. Go out, play well enough to win. You don't have to light up the scoreboard. Just win the game. Let's move on and get to next Sunday, and away we go. And away we go. Dietro, thank you.
3: On behalf of uh, my dear friend right here, on behalf of Aaron Kyles, on behalf of Kevin Burkhart, and on behalf of Aaron Kaufman, Jason English, the iHeartMedia team, the NFL digital team, and, of course, our music maestro, Mr. Jack Rudd. I want to say to everybody, thank you for subscribing to this thing. Thank you for listening to this thing. It has been a blast. And uh, have an awesome Thanksgiving. Just don't touch that darn turkey.